1: The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.
2: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike to you along with Charlie Long in studio at 540. Steve Geller will join us. Bobby Jay has the day off. A big win last night for the Pelicans uh, we'll talk about that first, Charlie and, uh, boy, Brendan Ingram. Uh, he was fire last night. He was just awesome. And then again. You we, know who else was fire? Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy. Man, what it was, six three-pointers uh, that he And hit. they were all, like, 28 Three. feet yeah.
0: plus. Like, he was just launching them from 30. Uh, he, Like, we've talked about it, Mike. He is yeah, He's one of the, the, the
2: new young star.
0: One of the most fun players yeah. to watch when, you know, he is hot and he's got the hot hand and he's just launching them from 30 feet out. Uh, yeah, he, he was awesome last night, but so was B.I. I mean, 40 points. Zion's out for that game. You're kind of worried about you know what's going on with him and why he was missing that contest. I, I know that Willie Green said that he was fine, but if he's fine, then why wasn't he playing? They, it wasn't the second night of a back-to-back. He's been missing back-to-backs all year long, uh, but that Wizards game wasn't a back-to-back, and they had a full like three-day break in between the Lakers game and, and the game just a, a couple nights ago, so what was the deal there? Um, hopefully there's nothing wrong with Zion, and hopefully we'll be seeing him back on the court. Uh, But it was a good start. I mean, the start of the game against the Wizards wasn't very pretty. But from the second quarter on, I mean, they just showed why this is a three-win Wizards team uh, and the Pelicans are a team that's going to be competing for the playoffs.
2: And it's important because of the fact that they've set up this stretch here where you're not playing the heavyweight champs of the world, uh, so to speak, uh, basketball-wise, where you can piece together a string of W's here. And even if uh, Zion misses another game, uh, you can still win with this lineup. Steve is just telling me that he's listed as questionable again. Yeah, but I figured, game, he, so. I figured that he wasn't going to play the next game. But so, uh, schedule wise, it's um, it's what you want this oh, time yeah. of year.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're playing the worst of the worst in the NBA. You're not playing the Pistons. I mean, the Pistons are on a 20-game losing streak. They're kind of reaching historic territories of bad right now, Mike. But as far as the Pels, when you're playing teams like the Hornets and the Spurs and take know, the care Grizzlies, of business and you got to beat these up. teams, Mike. And the, the hard teams that you do play, like the Cavaliers, they're home games. Yeah. So, I mean, just take care of business in this month of December. If you end up getting around, you know, we talked with Jake Madison on Monday, and he was saying before the Timberwolves game, which was the toughest game in the stretch by far, that the yeah. Pelicans actually ended up winning. Uh, you needed to go like seven and three or eight and two in the final ten games of the month of December. You're off to a good start. You're two and zero, but keep it going, and you got to beat these bad teams. Because if you're you know seven and three, eight and two in this month of December, following that Lakers loss, you're still looking at the middle of the pack of the Western Conference. You might be anywhere from the five to maybe even upwards of the three seed, Mike. It's very tightly congested right now.
2: So stack up those Ws Absolutely. when you get a chance. And hey, listen, you didn't uh, do the schedule. You, you play who they tell you to play, and you just take care of business and uh, put up W's. You talked a little bit about the, uh, uh, the practice report uh, for both the Saints and the Giants. We've had a lot of people ask about Darren Waller. Uh, Darren's coming off a hamstring injury. He is still currently on the reserve injured list, and he did return to practice today limited-wise. Now, he's in this 21-day window that he can come back. And if you remember Jefferson, when he came back with the Vikings, man, it was a couple of weeks before he actually got elevated onto the active roster. So I would be really surprised if Darren Waller plays against the Saints.
0: Yeah, no, I would be too. I think we were talking a little bit off air about this, Mike. It's almost like the Justin Jefferson situation where he was eligible to come off of IR when the Saints were playing the Vikings a few weeks back, but he didn't play in the game. I'm with you. I I don't think that you'll be seeing Darren Waller, which is a good thing considering how the Saints have been covering tight ends recently.
2: Yeah, and their defensive line sort of beat up here. Man, a guy we talked about yesterday, and I think the world of Dexter Lawrence, Uh, he's fighting a hamstring injury. He was limited in practice today, but you talk about a guy that can play on the nose. They moved him from defense. He's going to be a handle. Uh, He is, and uh, I I said this yesterday, that uh, Pete Jenkins, uh, he was working with the Clemson defensive line. I think he had a one-week run with the uh, lineman there. And this was right after his freshman year. And he told me, Mike, he's going to be a first-round pick. He's that good. He said, I think uh, they got two others just like him. And he was right. They ended up being three first-round picks of that defensive line. But he said, man, Dexter can play. Uh, he's a big man who can get up the field, and he can cause a lot of havoc. And he's an athletic mismatch for anybody that's playing center or guard. He's he's that good of a player. So, again, he, is, he was limited with a hamstring injury. Um, Aziz uh, Ojolari, uh, BJ's brother, uh, he was back at practice, full participant after a shoulder injury, but former Alabama Uh, standout defensive lineman uh, Ashawn Robinson he was limited in practice today with uh, similar to Dexter he has a hamstring injury but also fighting uh, a finger injury so uh, they sort of beat up along the defensive line but man you get to see one of the best in the NFL in Dexter Lawrence number 97 100% it it kind of
0: reminds me Mike I And I actually think that this player didn't even practice that full week, and he ended up playing. And it was just like we would be stunned to not see him. It was Vitavea. You remember when when we were playing? Yeah, Vitavea. He was
2: like, man, practice. I don't need all that. Just put me in the game. But
0: that's like the same tier of Dexter Lawrence. Like these gigantic like nose tackles, interior defensive linemen that are just who
2: can move game
0: wreckers. They they're so athletic for their size. They're gigantic, but they're super athletes, and and they can. They're just going to be a load to handle for any interior offensive lineman. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a player to watch. Even though he's been limited this week, Mike, I think we both agree he's going to be playing. Uh, you may not see him at 100%, but even at 80%, Dexter Lawrence is a really, really good player.
2: At 80%, he beats 95% of the offensive line that he go. goes up against. He's that good. And when you we talked about this also yesterday. They blitzed the second most – amount of times in the National Football League. Only the Vikings blitz more in their packages, uh, so to speak, uh, how they come off, and they use it a lot of different ways, the Giants, in that front seven to get pressure on you. Wink Martindale comes over from Baltimore. He was a heavy-pressure guy there, heavy-pressure guy with the Giants. So the Saints offensive line, man, they got their work cut out this weekend going up against that Giant defensive line in front seven.
0: It's a scary matchup for sure, and for, you know – some at times, Derek Carr has taken a lot of big hits. They're going to have to figure it out, Mike. I, I mean, Jamal Williams. We've we talked with Deuce about it. Jamal Williams has been really good in pass pro. Like even though he hasn't necessarily put up the biggest numbers, like he had a really, he probably had his best game in a Saints uniform as far as production goes, just this past weekend against Carolina. But if you're looking for you know an extra pass protector to help Derek Carr out with all the blitzes that you're going to be having to pick up. From this Giants' defensive front, maybe Jamal Williams will be that guy.
2: Yeah, they got problems deep in the secondary. If you can get the pass off, uh, you can hit some big and plays. Heats returning this yeah, week. Yeah, and so that go over that, the top. That is uh, good news. Now again, I think the only way you slow down a pass rush, run the football at them. Slow them well. down. You just can't have them tee off on every snap and they're coming after you. Run the football at them. Uh, be physical and win the battle in the trenches against the Giants because they are good. Uh, up front now, the offensive line—they finally back healthy. I think it's a solid group. Andrew Thomas, a big—I'm uh, a big fan of his. Sorry at Georgia; they uh, had their
0: issues at times this year. Man, though, they've
2: had some real issues along. Uh, I mean, it has been injuries. Line.
0: I mean, you—you you talked about it ad nauseum. Like offensive lines, one of the most injured positions, if not the most injured position. Oh, it's in the football. most
2: injured. It's not even close.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking at you know what happened with the Jets and then what happened with—if uh, you were talking about a couple weeks ago, the most sack teams in the NFL. Like teams that give up the most sacks, it was Washington and New York, the Giants, and nobody else was close. I, I, I'll double check and see the updated numbers on that. But, but they I know finally
2: that... got them healthy for yes. a couple games, yes. finally. But uh, still, it, it's a middle of the road group. And my thing with them. Man, stop Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah. Uh, Scarlett stirs the drink. I I get what DeVito's done, and man, it's a great story and everything. But if Saquon Barkley is running the football 22, 25 times a game, that ain't good because that helps Tommy DeVito as a passer. Well, seeing Tommy
0: DeVito rush for 70 plus yards against the Packers has me a little bit nervous about that. You better get a spy out for him. I mean, that's been an issue for the Saints defense as well this year. So All
2: season long. Yep. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this break. T-Mobile
0: has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
1: is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to mlb.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long in studio. WWL wants to celebrate the holidays Louisiana style on the Steamboat Natchez along the banks of the Mississippi River. Experience the beauty and romance of a harbor cruise or the grand prize, a Christmas Eve bonfire adventure with narrated transportation on Gray Line, New Orleans, plus a tour of the Destrehan Plantation with a traditional holiday dinner, then a visit to the bonfires that light up the way for Papa Noel. Enter to win Steamboat Natchez Cruises now at wwl.com slash contest. fa la 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 from WWL. Charlie, we were talking about uh, the uh, Giants defensive front seven, which is really good. But their uh, front offensive line, now they've been banged up. But they've given up over 60 sacks this year. The only team in the NFL to do so, the Commanders, I think they're right under 60. Was it 59? So right now, the Giants are at 69
0: sacks this year. I mean, that is obscene in 13 games played. That's just ridiculous. For for reference, the Saints are at 28. Now, on the, uh, number two is the Commanders. They're at 58, and then the Jets are at third with 55. So, I mean, they're in a class of their own. They're over 10 more than second place. I, I, I mean, I remember seeing that the Giants, and this is via stat muse, uh, the Giants' offensive line has just been banged up this year. They've given up a lot of pressure, a lot of sacks. And uh, it's right up. Season. A
2: lot of it is right up the, the middle. middle. Yep. Uh, because, you know, you think, oh, a lot of it is the edge pressure. No, a lot of it is right up this year. Uh, man, and, and they've had difficulties at the guard center position. Kind of holding court. That's what got Daniel Jones knocked to tomorrow. Uh, Tyrod Taylor got banged around too when he got to play. The only guy that's given him any relief uh, has been DeVito because he can run around. Yep, exactly. Uh, He can move. What's surprising is the Packers, they got a little bit of pressure on him, but it wasn't a ton of pressure. And when they did. Man, he just uh, tucked the ball under and took off running. Got over 70 yards rushing against the Packers. And to kind of your point
0: earlier about you know the way you stop a, on the opposite side, the defense from blitzing so much is running the ball, the Giants haven't been very good at rushing defense either. Now, they've been good at third down defense. We've they've talked been about the pressure that. defense. If you can have success on first and second down, you can put points up against this Giants squad. Because the Giants' defense, their rushing defense right now, Mike ranks 29th out of 32 teams in the NFL, allowing 135.1 rushing yards per game. The issue is that the Saints aren't much better. And the Saints, specifically the last couple of games, I mean, this number is just ballooned, but they're at 131.5, which is tied for 26 in the NFL. Uh, but the Giants give up rushing yards in bunches. So hopefully we'll see a big Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams type of game. Maybe if Taysom Hill is back by this upcoming week, you'll see him involved as well. Uh, but that's how you can stop their defense, or at least slow down their defense from getting so much pressure on Derek Carr as being able to run the ball, and teams have been able to run the ball in the
2: Giants this year. Yeah, that that's how you get them. You don't want them just teeing off. You got to run the football and run it right at them. Uh, we talked about this a little bit as we closed the show yesterday, but congratulations again to Robert Valdez. Uh, he formerly was the coach at St. James High School for so many years there, and really Man helped build that program into a juggernaut uh, along the River Parish. And then he took a job with uh, Grambling with Hugh Jackson, offensive line coach. He was named yesterday the head coach at uh, St. Aug High School in New Orleans. So congratulations to Coach uh, Valdez, Uh, known him for quite a few years. And so congratulations on getting the head coaching job at St. Aug. And uh, Jarius Monroe, you brought it up in the uh, Sports Flash. Uh, man, I saw him play at East St. John. He started out his college career at Nichols State. Uh, he played there a couple years and then transferred to Tulane. Man, I love uh, corners that have size and length and can play the football. Monroe Monroe's a really good football player, and he's decided that uh, he's going to opt into the uh, NFL draft. I think he's going to end up being a, a later round pick, fifth, sixth round But, man, he's a good player, and teams will like the way he can match up against a bigger wideout downfield
0: yeah no I, I agree with you Mike and, and as you said fifth or sixth round I think that's a pretty accurate projection from Monroe and I mean he put out on his Twitter page he thanked you know the Greenway family and the New Orleans faithful and stuff like that but he's just like this has been my dream since I was a kid I really want to pursue the next chapter of my football life so to speak and now he's off to the NFL and I, I'm with you Mike I think he's a draft pick just like Tulane had a couple picks this past year yep. Dorian Williams and Tajay Spears and I think Jarius Monroe is going to be in that number too.
2: Once they got the transfer rule and everything and you know you could leave until uh, one one of the nickel state coaches he's not staying here and he was like come on we try yeah. to keep him try well good luck uh, but listen uh, that that's just the way of the world you're going to lose players like Jarius sometimes to a bigger program. But Jarius Monroe was a really good player for the Colonels and certainly ended up being a standout guy for the Tulane Green Wave. We'll be back with more Sports Talk here on the Big 870. And we'll have on with us from BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Eddie Gross right after this break. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with Charlie Long in studio – And on our Oakland Hardjula's talk and text line is the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider Eddie Gross. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the BetQL Daily podcast for more of Ed's analysis. Just search BetQL wherever you find your podcast. Ed, thanks so much for joining us today, partner. How you doing?
1: Doing well, doing very well. Mid-December, so uh, just finalizing my Christmas plans, uh, figuring out how to see the family down in Louisiana uh, in about a week or so. So really excited to get back to your neck of the woods.
2: Yeah, so how's the weather in L.A.?
1: Oh, it's uh, getting a little chilly right now, so I've got the heater on right now. But other than that, we're, uh, we're all set. You know. Okay,
2: it's, chilly. Uh, give me the temperature. Man, come on. Chilly, chilly. L.A. <laughs> wise or chilly somewhere else wise?
1: But let's, let's say, like, 50s, like, give or take. Okay, uh, that know, ain't bad, man. That's, yeah, that's yeah. not
2: bad at all. Um, right off the bat, uh, Saints-Giants, we've seen this movement continually rise with the Saints-Giants. And for, for a lot of people here is, wait a minute, what we saw on Monday night? You know, <laughs> that's a lot of points. Uh, the Saints have not particularly played well at home uh, as of late. But, again, the story's great. Uh, with, with Tommy DeVito. It really is. It's, it, you know, Listen, it's manna from heaven. If you were in the <laughs> PR department for the NFL, then had this drop at you? But eventually you find out, I had an old uh, uh, head coach in front of mine tell me, Mike, uh, they got a lot more one-hit wonders than they do long-time uh, guys that can write uh, music uh, mm-hmm. in this world. And I think we're fixing to find out real quick on Tommy DeVito.
0: You know,
1: it's funny. Uh, after all the Tommy DeVito news has uh, basically broken the Internet and it's infiltrated pretty much every channel I have on my TV, I did have to go through the wardrobe to see if I do have a fedora. <laughs> and as it turns out, I don't have a black one. I think I have like a, a gray one, almost looks like I'm a detective of some kind. I'm solving mysteries. I don't know. But I, I am interested, though, when it comes to uh, Tommy DeVito, if, if we're talking about like the mania, Will we see a Super Bowl commercial with Tommy DeVito and Danny DeVito? Oh, selling, say, some kind of I bet you
2: would. Hey, that—that's yeah. a good gig. Uh, on that, your, your thoughts on the uh, on the game itself? Man, six points, a lot of points uh, mm-hmm. in this football game. Uh, the Saints have had difficulties, and this is a high pressure team defensively. Uh, the Giants, man, they oh, yeah. come after you. They rush the quarterback. Um, You know, from a blitz standpoint, second most in the National Football League, only the Vikings uh, do more of it. Your thoughts on the game itself and the six points?
1: I always worry when it comes to, say, like this Wink-Martindale defense, if you're blitzing a little bit too much, if it becomes a little too predictable, especially, say, on third down when it's all about getting rid of the ball quickly and... Certainly the Saints have guys in the short outlets and the checkdowns who you can go to if, say, you're feeling a little bit too much pressure. So in that respect, like I think the Saints will know through some smart football how to nullify that. But when it comes to this Giants offense, when it comes to Tommy DeBito, I have some real questions about the overall decision-making of this offense. One of the things that I did for the show this morning was I looked at the best and worst offenses when it comes to specific downs and overall decision-making. So, for instance, on second down, are you running the ball on second and ten or longer? Usually that's a bad sign because you're not really going to make it third and manageable unless it's some painfully obvious play. For the most part, you're making it third and seven, third and six, and that's not third and manageable. Like, that's still third and quasi-long, so that's a problem there. Then I also looked at, say, which quarterbacks are throwing short of the six on third down to where they're forcing their receivers to have to continue the workload in order to move the sticks, And so that tends to be a problem. And then who goes for it on fourth down down versus who gets conservative? And in terms of the bottom five in all three of those categories I just mentioned, the Giants are there. Like, the decision-making is not that good when it comes to on-the-field stuff. Certainly with DeVito's, say, progressions and development, that probably has been positive. But I do wonder if when it comes to the decision-making, if all of these bad choices come back to haunt them eventually, and especially against the Saints defense where, yes, there have been some injuries at key spots. At, at the same time, you still feel okay about them. Like, it's not a bad unit by any stretch of the imagination. That secondary is good.
2: good. The Saints yeah, secondary is good. good.
1: Absolutely it is. And I think you combine all of that, then I feel like this is a secondary that can force the Giants into mistakes and into some brand of conservatism where they're just not going to be moving the ball effectively throughout the course of the ball game.
2: Your thoughts on, uh, because everybody be scoreboard watching here, Tampa Bay Bucks, Mm -hmm. Green Bay Packers, man, the Packers laid one out uh, Monday night. That was El Stinko uh, on their part defensively. Uh, I was telling this to Bob, at the end of the game – I don't know what coverages they were in, but the Giants mm-hmm. receivers, they were high school open. There was nobody right. within five or six yards of them. And DeVito made the throws, and I give him credit there. But those receivers were running free downfield. And, man, I, I don't i don't get it with the Packers because I know they got talent on that defensive side, the football. Sometimes they just don't play well uh, defensively. And Tampa Bay, they got to be the biggest surprise in the NFC from a standpoint of what you got – so far out of Baker Mayfield, they got some talent on defense and certainly two big time receivers with Godwin and Mike Evans running game. matzah matzah. Matza there. Your thoughts on Packers bucks. It is
1: funny when you're talking about this Tampa Bay rushing attack that Rashad white has been largely inefficient, but then there was that spurt where you sort of made him a pass catcher. And then suddenly he was really, really good and to kind of opened things up. And so it is something where when you're looking at this Bucks offense, it has evolved a little bit. It, it, for Baker Mayfield, he needs the rollouts. He needs to prove his athleticism. When he does that, then it's not a terrible offense. You know, have a guy in motion, things like that. It's not a terrible offense, but there's an obvious ceiling as far as what they're capable of. And certainly this is something that Saints fans know really well, right? Like it's something – Tampa Bay isn't elite, but they do have Mike Evans, so that gets you so far. And Baker Mayfield isn't outstanding. Standing, but in terms of quarterback consistency maybe it is there but specifically when it comes to this game like I will be looking at the injury report very carefully and I will be trying to read tea leaves very carefully because I do believe that when it comes to Jordan Love he needs everybody to be successful he needs everybody to be healthy and most importantly he needs Christian Watson out there that hamstring injury is going to be a big question mark he really does need Watson out there If not, then he is a completely different quarterback. But when everyone is out there, and I think the Packers have an outstanding offense, and so when it comes to this number, in a weird way, I'm still going to back the Packers. Maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but maybe with a second week without Watson, they're able to make a few more adjustments and at least become a little bit more competitive. I'm also curious when it comes to a warm-weather team going up to Lambeau Field, obviously a cold-weather environment. How much does that matter at the end of the day? I think the Packers can cover this number. Definitely they will win outright. I feel comfortable saying that. The number is a little bit tricky. I would wait for more uh, information from the injury report before ultimately pulling the trick.
2: Ed, you, you made up a great point about Watson and what he means to this offense for the Packers. They look totally different without him uh, being able to throw the football. I mean, the other guys are pretty good players. But, no, he's a tilt-to-field guy when he's healthy. Now, the problem is, mm-hmm. uh, is keeping him healthy – But, man, he is a really good young receiver in this league, and they are totally different offensively without him in the lineup. Well,
1: there was a study on Twitter not that long ago from a buddy of mine, Robbie Greer, who does a ton of great NFL work, and one of the things that he said was when it comes to deep balls, 20-plus air yards down the field, that may be more about the receiver and his skill set than it is about the quarterback. However a quarterback does with 20-plus air yard throws, okay, fine, but I want to know who the receivers are. Because, like, look at the Dolphins, for instance. When you've got Tyreek Hill, that's the Tyreek Hill show when it comes to those bombs. That has a lot less to do with Tua. That has more to do with Hill. I think when it comes to the Packers, it's a similar dynamic. Jordan Love needs Christian Watson to blow the top off of any defense, and if that's not there – then all of a sudden you're forcing Jordan Love to kind of develop into a serviceable quarterback almost overnight, and he's young. He needs some time. He needs those reps. He needs game experience, and he's just not there
0: yet. And kind of looking at one of the most intriguing matchups, I think, of the weekend, and it's a line that's a li- shifted a little bit. The Broncos at the Lions. Broncos, obviously, red hot. Mm-hmm. Winners of six of their last seven. The Lions kind of moving in the opposite direction, so to speak. Detroit's still four and a half point favorites at home. I think the line was actually at five, maybe even higher than that. So it's come down a little mm-hmm. bit. Some money has come on to the Broncos because they've just been playing well recently. The Lions haven't. But there's a couple matchups here that really kind of intrigue me, specifically the Broncos rushing defense, which is the worst in the NFL, versus an offensive line and a rushing attack with Detroit. Detroit. Detroit that is one of the best in the NFL I mean that's just a huge mismatch Mm -hmm. so are you looking at this line at all are you going to be playing more player props with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs versus the Broncos poor rushing defense or do you have any kind of a play with the line at four and a half
1: I do like Jameer Gibbs a good bit here just because I think the Lions will know how to use him in terms of the middle of the field even though this past defense seems to have improved a good bit you know, with Patrick Sertan and guys like that, the Broncos' pass defense was never going to be that bad. The individual talent is well enough to where as long as they're coached up, then they should be okay. But I do think what Jameer gives in terms of say, crossing routes and things like that, maybe his receiving prop over, maybe something that I look into. But As far as the side goes, my model had this as Lions minus 3.4. So I looked at four on BetMGM this morning and wasn't comfortable pulling the trigger and wasn't sure if it was going to move, say, in the Lions direction. If it did, I would probably go the other direction. So I'm probably waiting to see if there is a book out there that might do four and a half, something like that. Uh, If it's not the case, then I'm probably going to look at, say, Jameer Gibbs, Montgomery, something like that. Because you're absolutely right. This Broncos rush defense has been absolutely porous. And I do think the Lions being back at home, this should be a get-right spot for them. Maybe not an overall convincing win. Maybe the Broncos get some kind of a backdoor cover, something like that. I can believe that with Russell Wilson. But ultimately, I think the Lions will win the game.
2: Your thoughts on tonight's game, uh, when you set this up years, months back, you didn't think it would be Aiden O'Donnell and uh, Easton Stick as the starting <laughs> quarterbacks. Man, if you did, you'd have won a lot of money <laughs> on that deal. But uh, your thoughts tonight on the Chargers Raiders and, uh, you know, th- late in the year like that, I-, I know they're still sort of fighting for some football life. Uh, Because they're Mm -hmm. both on, you know, life support systems uh, at this point. But uh, your thoughts on tonight's game? And again, we talked about this before the show. Man, gambling and fantasy football keeps you interested. Uh, People say, oh, "Oh, the ratings are going to tank. No! Uh, the, The interest is there. Now, the NFL will never admit this. Never. But what fantasy football and gambling has done to keep everybody's interest in games.
1: Exactly. That's just it, though, is we can look at a game like this and try and parse, OK, who's going to be the, the Chargers primary weapon in a game like this? Like, who do you trust in this spot? Because, I mean, they've had one injury after another, seemingly every single week. So who do you trust at this point? And maybe if you figure something out, someone's going to get a really large air yard share. Then, yes, you want to pounce on that for fantasy, DFS and betting. All of that's very important. I think also, too, it's fun to sort of get through, say, like news and what a particular team is going to do, depending upon if they're not so much tanking, but if they're more evaluating who they have as opposed to trying to win the football game. Like this, you know, Aiden O'Connell thing is really intriguing because it's possible that he might get benched. Like he might have a short leash. He may not start at all. I don't know. But if you do have a particular idea as far as what the path is going to be, then maybe you can exploit that. So, for instance... I like Chargers plus one-and-a-half, uh, maybe plus, plus one-and-a-half. Yeah, Chargers plus one-and-a-half in the first half because I do think when it comes to those scripted plays, they're going to stick with the rookie, and it's not going to turn out well. Now, he might get yanked, and in the second half, the Raiders may go nuts and just toss it to Devontae Adams, and that's fine. But as far as the first half goes with the scripted plays, I feel like the Chargers have an opportunity to at least have a lead
0: and last one for you i just want to break uh, have you break down the buffalo dallas game this upcoming weekend yeah. buffalo i mean if you're looking at the afc playoff picture it's actually kind of hilarious how many teams they technically have on the bubble there are six teams mm-hmm. with a seven and six record and i noticed that some of them are kind of trending downwards, some of them are trending upwards like i don't think the steelers are going to be with a winning record by the end of the season i think they're trending in the wrong direction buffalo is a team that's fighting for their playoff lives right now they're currently the 11th spot in the afc despite their seven and six record but at the same time on the opposite side you have dallas who's currently the two seed they have the control of the NFC East by beating the Eagles mm-hmm. this past weekend I think this is a really intriguing matchup in Buffalo the, the lines shifted a little bit here it's I think currently favored Buffalo's favored by two points it was two and a half when we were picking earlier on the week um, so Buffalo must win game for them but at the same time it's a must win for Dallas to keep up in the NFC East
2: yeah the other thing too is so many peeping eyes watched them Sunday man mm-hmm. a lot of people watched. that it was that. a huge
0: win over Kansas and, and City and so
2: does that Kind of regulate what you're going to see, maybe people gambling late in the process here. Waiting to see where that line settles in because, man, mm-hmm. uh, you couldn't walk away from that game and say the Cowboys weren't a very impressive and very physical football team.
1: Sure. And you watch that game from Sunday night, like the score was not indicative of what no. actually happened. I mean, it was a scoop and score from, yeah, from Jalen Carter. I mean, that's why. Win. Yeah, it was an absolute dominant win. I will be curious what the Cowboys are like on the road, outdoors. This is a different offense when that's the case. Now, I do believe, though, that if you're betting on props, like because the Cowboys defense plays a ton of man coverage, this might be the Stephon Diggs show all these last couple of weeks where, you know, we got Joe Brady in there for Buffalo. And it's all about being a little bit more conservative, emphasizing the run game, the tight ends, all that stuff. I think when you've got man coverage, you're probably going to Stephon Diggs just a little bit more. So I would not be surprised if the game plan changes for the Bills. But ultimately, I probably like the under in this one. Total, I believe, was fifty and a half. Yep. I am curious if, say, Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb is still a good connection in that environment. And if the Bills go to the Stephon Diggs game plan that at least I would recommend – or if it's something where they're still going to emphasize the ground and pound and short passes to the tight ends, and if that's
2: the case, then you play it in Dallas's hands. Long? Yeah,
0: the, I yeah. mean that's what I they did you against Kansas City. In they hands they, if you they do went that. to tight end and running back more than they were their receivers against the Chiefs. But I mean, I get your point definitely right. Ed, about this matchup with the, with the Cowboys. I kind of agree. I think that it could be the Stefan Dig show but at the same time. How does you know Dallas counter? I I, I think the under over under line is pretty interesting. 50-and-a-half – uh, that sure. seems like a lot of points, even with this matchup, because I just think the Cowboys' defense has been playing so well recently. A hundred percent, absolutely.
2: Ed, thanks so much for joining us, partner. You take care, and it'll be uh, great to have you back in the Bayou State. Thanks, Ed. A-
1: absolutely. Appreciate you
2: guys. All righty, that was the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider, Ed Egros. Insider Calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. We'll be back to finish it up here in our number one on Sports Talk here on the Big 870 right after this break. We're finishing up here in our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to take you along with Charlie Long in studio. And uh, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but at 520, we'll talk to Glenn West, senior writer at Go247.com. Charlie, you and I were talking about this off the air not having LSU-Auburn on the schedule. It just doesn't seem right, does it? I mean, I'm actually really excited for LSU-OU. And that, to that schedule year, to finish it all. That's going to
0: be fun. I, I mean, Vanderbilt's take it or leave it. But, but no, Auburn, it just doesn't seem right. You know, I mean, after so many years of the SEC West, that's been a rivalry that's been built up. A lot of crazy games. I remember the Bo Nix game where he was exploring every, Like I think it was a John Boyce tweet. He was exploring the backfield like it was a Zelda level in that game. <laughs> they just couldn't tackle him. Yeah, so great moments.
2: Man, that some great moments there. Great we'll be moments. back with more Sports Talk here on The Big 8, 7 right after this news break.